Masechet Ketubah, Tafkof Tet. We're in our list of rulings that the judges of Jerusalem made. We already saw two by Hanan, and this, this Mishnah is going to be the third of seven by Admon. It goes like this. Haposek ma'ot hachatano ufashat lo et haregel teshev ad shetalbin rosha. A father of a bride uh, promises a certain amount of money for his son-in-law as he's going to give for the dowry. And they go ahead, they, they get engaged, they do kiddushin, and then, literally, he stretched out his leg. This is an expression that either means he went bankrupt, or he put out his leg and his foot and said, here, you can take the mud on my shoe, but I'm not paying you anything else. Kind of like the English expression, you know, where we say, yeah, I'm paying you my foot, right? So he either refuses or is not, go, cannot, is not going to pay the dowry. And now, what is the husband supposed to do? He does not want to marry her without the dowry. He was promised. Um, so what, what are his options? He has a right to leave her as an aguna. She should sit until her head turns white, until her hair turns white. She can grow old, and he can leave her in that state. And that will put pressure on the father-in-law to have to pay out, pay up the dowry, but he does not have to go ahead with the nisuin, and he does not have to divorce her either. He can leave her in that state until he gets the money. But Admon disagrees with Tanakama and says, she could say to him the following claim. If I, the bride, had uh, had promised you a certain amount of money, then fine, you can leave me as an aguna until my hair grows white, until I fulfill my promise and pay you that money uh, that I'm bringing into the marriage, a certain amount of money. Then it would make sense. I'm not I'm, I'm not coming through with my side of the deal. But this in this case, my father decided, what can I do? How can I control what my father does? Why should I suffer just because my father didn't keep his promise? Or kinos or petor. Either marry me anyway uh, without that dowry, or if you don't want to marry me without the dowry, then give me a get and let me go and marry someone else. You can't keep me in this limbo state. Says, I agree with uh, the words of Admon. Okay, in the previous two Mishnayot, there were also Admon. Also there, Rabban Gamliel said, I agree with him. In the next four Mishnayot, that are all by Admon, Rabban Gamliel does not say anything, indicating that Rabban Gamliel probably does not agree with Admon. Okay, that's going to be important, because even though Admon's in seven things, Rabban Gamliel only agreed with him in three, and that is going to be part of the discussion of the Talmud. Uh, but first, we quote a Tosefta, a Braita. Um, uh, uh, I say it, it does appear in our Tosefta as well, however. Uh, our Mishnah is not like the uh, version that the Tana taught in this Tosefta. So this um, Tosefta is going to have a similar machloket, but it's going to shift the case. 
to to a, a similar one. So according to this Tosefta version, Admonachachamim did not disagree if the father uh, the, the father of the bride uh, uh, promised some money and then didn't pay. In that case, she could say, "My father uh, is the one that promised. What can I do? I uh, you cannot hold that over me. So either marry me anyway or divorce me. You have a right because you didn't get it to divorce me, but you can't keep me in limbo state." And everyone would agree with that. Rather, the machloket is when she promised a certain amount of money that she will bring in herself. In that case, say, if she doesn't come up with the money, then she can sit till her till she turns white. She has to fulfill the promise, and then he will marry her. Otherwise, that's his option. He can keep her as in, as a limbo aguna state. Whereas Admon said, where is she getting the money from? She's relying on her father. So she can say, I thought that my father was going to come up with the money and pay you. But now he's not. So even though I'm the one that told you that the promise I was talking about of my father and he's not paying it, so what can I do? So Admon says, it doesn't matter whether the father promised it or whether she herself promised it. Either way, she can demand that he make a decision one way or another. And it's about this case that Amar Rabban Gamliel, Admon. Okay, good. So a slightly different version. And uh, now the Braita, this next Braita is going to discuss the Tosefta version, Tana. When do we say that he can keep her, the husband can keep her in the limbo state uh, forever? That's only if she is an adult. If she promised as an adult uh, that I'm going to pay you, uh, I'm going to bring into the marriage $1,000. And uh, then she doesn't, Then and she's an adult, then he can he can uh, keep her as an aguna. But if she's a child, then we force uh, we force him. Now, who is the him who we are forcing? So there's two options. If we mean that we force, the betin will go and force the father to pay the amount that uh, the person, that the daughter promised, well then, that actually should be the opposite. If the bride is an adult, well, an adult's promise is a serious promise, and there it makes sense we would force the father to pay what the daughter had promised. Um, But if it's a minor uh, girl who made the promise, well, then that would not be legally binding, and then we would not force the father to pay, and we would leave her in the limbo state. So it would be it really be the uh, the logic would be the opposite if it was the father who were forcing. Rather, this 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 is and says that we should force the someone is actually talking about forcing the husband to give a get. If we're talking about a minor who made the promise, well, okay, her, her she made a promise, but it doesn't mean anything, so she shouldn't have to suffer for it. And so if he doesn't want to take her without this dowry, he has to give her a get. But if it's an adult, if the if the bride was an adult, then her mean her promise has consequences and he can leave her in limbo until he gets paid. So we have a rule in the name of Chizkiyah. This is going to come up a couple of times, so let's remember it. 
uh, call any time that we said that Rabban Gamliel said, I agree with Admon, we follow the halacha according to him. So that would be in the three Mishnayot that we just saw, where Rabban Gamliel says, I agree with Admon, the halacha is like, uh, is like him in those three cases. Okay, and that implies that in the next four Mishnayot that we're going to see, we're going to see two more today, uh, the halacha would not be like Admon in those cases. So, question, Ravat Rav Nachman, what about in the Braita? Because in this Braita ver- version, uh, also, we have Admon, and Rabban Gamliel says, I agree with Admon. Is halacha also like Rabban Gamliel in that case, according to Chizkiyah? And he Rav Nachman answered, what, he, Chizkiyah didn't say only in a Mishnah. He said anywhere, anywhere it's recorded, a Mishnah or Braita, uh, that the would be like Rabban Gamliel. So it can't be both, because the Mishnah and the this Tosefta have different versions of the Machloket, but whichever one we accept is the original Machloket, Halakha will be like Rabban Gamliel and, Ad- and Admon in that case. Amar Rabbi Zera, Amar Rabbi Bar Yirmiya, Shene Devarim Shamar Hanan, Halakha Kayoseh Bo. Shiva Devarim Shamar Admon, En Halakha Kayoseh Bo. The following statement is going to seem to contradict what Chizkiah just said, but we're going to have to reconcile them. It's going to take a couple of iterations of interpretation in order to reconcile them. The statement by Rabbi Zera says, Regarding the two um, laws that Hanan said, the halacha is like some, like something similar to him. Kayotsebo. Uh, he means that the halacha is like the person who ruled like him. And the two Mishnahs regarding Hanan, it was Abiyo Hanan ben Zakai who said, I agree with Hanan. So that's what he means in those two laws that Hanan said, the halacha will be like Abiyo Hanan ben Zakai who agreed with Hanan. Okay. But regarding the seven items that Admon said, the law is not like the one who uh, who said who ruled similarly to him. Well, that would be Rabban Gamliel who agreed with him in those three cases. Okay, so this is a very kind of uh, kind of strange way to say halacha. Why don't you say halacha is like you know uh, like Hanan and like Admon? We're talking about the other people that agree with him. Maybe it's because of their backing specifically is that is why we agree with them. But uh, the second one about the seven, what what are we saying? What does it mean? Okay, the first step is clear. Hanan, we follow him and the one who rules like him. That's fine. So if he means to say that regarding the seven things that Admon says, we do not follow uh, Admon and not Rabban Gamliel who, who, who uh, decided like him, but that isn't true. said in those three first Mishnayot, where we say where Rabban Gamliel agrees with Admon, we do follow the halacha. So it can't be that Rabbi Zera said that we never follow um, uh, Admon and Rabban Gamliel. So let's try to reinterpret Rabbi Zera's statement. Find the first half is the same. Hanan, we follow him and Rabbi Yochan ben Zakai. Shiba Devrim Shamar Admon and Alacha Kayosebo. The seven items that Admon said, we do not follow.
the opinion of the one who ruled like him. In other words, like Rabban Gamliel, we do not follow Rabban Gamliel and say the halakha is like him only in those three cases. Uh, but but that would imply that Kim like Admon himself, we do follow. So for Admon, we follow his halakha in all seven cases, and we ignore Rabban Gamliel, who agrees with him in some of the cases. So now we went from uh, following his halakha in none of the cases to following his halakha in all of the cases. This also is going to contradict Chizkiyah. Chizkiyah said only when Rabban Gamaliel says, I agree with Hermon, then the halakha is like him. So that means in the first three cases, yes. But in the second four, no. And the interpretation you just said, we follow halakha in all seven cases. So that's not a good interpretation. Rather, this is the interpretation of B'zera. The, regarding the two items that Hanan said, we follow him and Rabbi Yochanan Metzakai, who, who agrees with him in both of those cases. But regarding the seven items that Admon says, in some cases, Halakha follows Admon but, and, and Abang Gamliel, who follows him. And there are other cases where the Halakha is not like him, like Admon, but rather like the one who agrees with Admon in the first three cases, meaning the halacha is always like Rabban Gamliel. Rabban Gamliel agrees with Admon in the first three cases, and halacha is like Rabban Gamliel and Admon in those cases. In the last four cases, the halacha is not like Admon, but rather it is like Rabban Gamliel, who does not say anything in the last four cases, and therefore we infer that he in fact disagrees on those cases. One last clarification to explain the statement. Any time that Abang Gamaliel said, I agree with Admon, then we follow Halakha like him. That's the previous three Mishnayot. The rest of it, where he doesn't say anything, Halakha is not like Admon, and that's going to be the next four cases. All right, good. So now we get to the fourth law of Admon. Admon Omer Hashani Noachli Varishon Kashehemenu Hachamim Omerim Ibed Et Zechuto. Someone comes and contests a field. He says, This field that that guy is living on is actually mine. Meanwhile, the guy who, the claimant, the contester, happens to be a signatory on a bill of sale of that the guy who is currently living on the land um, has that sale that says he bought it from whoever he bought it from, the claimant is one of the witnesses. So do we say that if, if the fact that this claimant signed that bill of sale means he agrees to that sale and therefore is admitting that the land belongs, belongs to the one who is living on the land and therefore gives up his right? So Admon says the um, uh, uh, Admon says that the claimant, the witness who is also signed, can say that I did not actually agree. Even by signing this document, that doesn't mean I agree that he's the rightful owner. I just agreed to. I wanted the sale to happen because the guy who bought it, the person who's currently living on the land, is easier to deal with than the one who he bought it from. So therefore, I supported and even gave my signature to the bill of sale. So it would go from this tough guy who I knew I didn't want to have to bring to court and deal with. He's but I say I I, I, I wanted the sale. 
and I signed on that document to go to the guy who's easier to deal with because then I said afterwards I'll bring him to court and I prefer that. So Admon says that is a legitimate claim. Um, however, Chachamim say, no, by signing the bill of sale, that means he is agreeing to the contents of the bill of sale. And yet, yes, the person who's currently living on the land is the rightful buyer, the rightful owner, and he lost his right to come in, uh, and make a claim against it. Okay, but everybody would agree, even Admon, that if this contester was a signatory on a document that's giving a marker uh, for someone else, uh, the person wanted to figure out where exactly are the borders of this field, and he he says, oh, the borders of the field are uh, on, on the east side is this land that belongs to so-and-so who's actually actually living there. And so there, if you claimant wrote a document like that um, and uh, he listed that per other person's field as a marker, then he he uh, he admit he uh, he lost his right to it because in that case he can't make this claim that it's a bill of sale that I wanted it to transfer. Here the land is not transferring from anyone to anyone else. He's talking about where he signed a bill of sale, let's say for a uh, a land that's next door. And when you want to sell a land, you just have to say, listen, the borders of this land are on the east side. It's the uh, the the land that belongs to so and so. In that case, it shows that he admits that that land is, does in fact belong to that other guy, and he lost his right to make a claim. Abaye said that this machloket uh, is only regarding when he is a witness. That's where Chachamim would say that he lost his uh, right uh, on the bill of sale. If you sign the bill of sale, then he cannot claim it. But if he's a judge, and uh, the, the, this, this uh, document came before the judges to authenticate that this is in fact a real document, the signatories are valid signatories, um, uh, then he does not, the judge does not lose his right, the judge afterwards, even though the judge said this is a valid, valid signatures on this document, the judge himself can come and say, oh, by the way, this land that you're sitting on is actually mine. Why? This is based on what Bichia said that witnesses should not sign a document unless they read it. Right? They're actually signing the that the contents in the document are true. Therefore, they're admitting to it. But the judges can can validate a document even though they didn't read it. They're just certifying the signatures. There's like people who write uh, blurbs for books, you know, they, they uh, uh, endorse endorsements for books. They don't always read the book. Uh, so judges also, they're just saying, yes, this signature is, was, is valid. It was signed by that guy. But they're not certifying that the contents of it are true. Therefore, the judge can always contest it. The last part of the Mishnah, that if someone uh, mentions this guy's field as a marker, in a document, then that means he's admitting that it's his. Uh, notices that the word acher is significant. It's only if I, let's say, I am, uh, I will, I sign a document that uh, for someone else that says that guy's land is bordered by Mr. So and So. In that case, the sure, uh, sure, uh, sure that I am admitting that the one on the border does in fact belong and I cannot make a claim. But if it's for me myself, 
then I can. In other words, let's say the this guy has two uh, has two two fields uh, side by side. One of them I'm going to make a claim on. I think is mine. The other one I'm about to buy. As I'm buying the field, we make in the document it says I'm buying the field that on the right on the east side is bordered by his own field. Um, right, the guy I'm the, the the guy I'm buying it from, the seller's field, and I sign and agree to that document, even though in that document I'm agreeing that the land to the east it belongs to him. I could say no, I only wrote that because I wanted to buy the land, but uh, and he wouldn't sell it to me if I contested it. But it doesn't mean I really admit it. I can go ahead and contest the land next door anyway, as we're about to say. If I didn't sign that document and agree in that document, say that it's his land, then he wouldn't have uh, sold me the land that I wanted. So I signed it just for that. And what are you going to tell me? The, uh, uh, me, the buyer, that I should have put an official notice uh, in front of witnesses that say, even though yesterday, or I'm about to sign a document that says the, uh, the this field, the next door belongs to the seller. I'm telling you from now that I'm signing it, but I don't believe it. Should I do that, right? So that I may put it down on paper and make it official that I that this is not an agreement. But this is not not a good idea because because everybody has a friend and their friends have a friend. So even if before that sale, I go to a couple of friends as my witnesses. Hey, listen, you're my friends. My, I'm going to about to uh, sign this document tomorrow, but I don't mean it. But those two friends, they're going to mention, oh, isn't that interesting? This guy's going to buy a field, but he's really going to contest it. And they'll tell someone else, and eventually the word will get back to the buyer. Can't keep secrets. And then the buyer's going to say, oh, I heard you wrote a, 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 a moda'a, a, a notice that you're going to come and contest it. Then I'm not selling you this land. So I don't want to jeopardize. I have a right to not jeopardize my sale, uh, my, my buying that land. And therefore, he, I, I would have a right to say, I signed that document that admits that the field next door is yours only so that I can buy the field, but I still have a right to contest it. Whereas if I'm signing it for someone else, so I have no reason to lie, and uh, therefore, if I sign it for someone else, I cannot go and contest that land. Now we have a fantastic story about a uh, um, a, a steward, a, a, a potropa, where he had a certain person, He um, this happened to him, he uh, signed the document, that said a certain piece of a certain land is bordered on the east by Mr. So-and-so's land and uh, thereby uh, admitting that that is in fact his land. This guy, he contested then. They says, wait a second, that land that I said was, is, is uh, you know, you, 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 are, you are the border um, is actually my land. But that, the contester ended up dying. The contester is the same one that signed, admitting that it's his land, but then he died. And he set up a steward to take over his property to take care of it for the orphans. So Apotros came to Abaye to say, listen, I want to continue the contestation of the deceased. And Abaye says, sorry, you cannot contest it because the deceased signed the document where he indicated that this land it belongs to so-and-so. And he mentioned it as a border 
of whatever land was uh, that was being sold in there. So by signing that document, which was for someone else, he admitted that that belongs to so-and-so, and therefore he cannot take it, he cannot contest it. He lost his right, as the Mishnah said. But the steward was very smart. So the steward says, if the, if the father of the orphans were alive, he would make a claim, the, the following claim, and therefore I'm going to make it for him, um, that when I said that on the east side is bordered by so-and-so's land, I didn't mean the whole field, but rather just one furrow. That belongs to him. Yes, I admit that. But the rest of the field, that belongs to the deceased. Abaya said, oh, you make a good claim, right? Because Biochanan, in fact, says, if someone comes and claims that says, uh, and says, when I admitted that the field on the right side, on the east side, belonged to him, I didn't mean the whole field on the, on the east side. I just meant that the border is one small furrow, um, that belongs to him, but the rest of the field I'm contesting and belongs to me. He is believed, and the, the judge is not going to tell him to say this, right? But if someone does say that, he is believed, and therefore, uh, Baye, uh, uh says, uh, go and give. You have to give him that furrow, right? But the rest of it you can take. Okay. Now further, Hava Allah declare on that furrow there was a row of palm trees, very nice palm trees, and the steward wanted to claim them also and keep them in the estate for the orphans. It's a very caring steward. This is lifts and if the deceased were alive, the father of the orphans, he would say, Yes, it's true that they were they did belong to so and so, but I bought them from him. Right? So the the the, the story is the deceased, while the, the, when he was alive he signed the document for someone else. And then in that document, it happened to mention that the a field is bordered on the east side by some land belonging to so-and-so. He agreed. He, he signed it. And then he said, wait a second, that field actually belongs to me. He died. So now he's claiming it's only a furrow that I meant. That's why he's believed in that. And now he's claiming further that this deceased says, would say, could say, he bought, it, he bought even that furrow from him. And Abaya said, you have a right claim. says, if someone makes such a claim, then uh, that I bought, that I rebought it back from him, even that pharaoh or the whole land, he is believed. Abaya said, anyone who is going to appoint a steward for orphans should always appoint a steward like this guy because look how he knows to argue for the rights of the orphans. He's not going to let anything go and make sure that the orphans get anything, any, everything that's legally coming to them. All right, so this is really fascinating, uh, especially in the way that um, you see why lawyers could be dangerous in a bedin. There are many things that if you say it in a certain way, if you make a certain claim, they will give it to you. But um, uh, the, the judges are not going to make that public uh, if it just happens to be. So we're assuming that people are going to say it because it's true. And then, uh, then if they say that, we will... They will give the claim, but uh, it's important that the judges not not offer them these uh, these loopholes. Otherwise, everybody will abuse them.
All right, last Mishnah. Misha halach for the stuff. Misha halach l'medinat hayam. Fabda derech sadehu. Admon omer yelech lo biksaram. Okay, so you have a person who goes away on a trip. This we call him the traveler. This traveler owns a field, um, but in order to get to his field from the street, he has to go through someone else's land. Right? There's no direct access to his land, but he before he left, he had a path. Uh, through someone else's land. So that's the law. If I have a, an established path through someone else's land, I have a right to use it, right? This is a chazaka, that this is my uh, my path. However, this guy, the traveler, he went away for a while. He came back and he was not able to identify where the path was. It got all overgrown. And so, he's not sure, is it here or is it there? Admon says he has a right to a path, but he has to pick, now he has to pick a new one because he doesn't know where it was. He has to pick the shortest possible route in order to take away from the, uh, the, 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 the land in between the least possible amount, right? So the, the owner of the land in between could say, you pick the shortest. So he picks the shortest. Even if it's a little more inconvenient, he wants it more on this side, more on that side, doesn't matter. He picks the shortest. But he still has a right to something because he did have, once upon a time, have a right. Chachamim say, sorry, if you don't know where the path was, you lost your right to it, right? You only had a, a right to a certain path. And if you can't prove, Mr. Traveler, where it is, then you lost it, you lost it totally. So how are you going to get to your land? Well, you have a choice, either buy a new path. And the the person who owns the land in between can charge anything, right? Can charge an exorbitant amount. He says, yeah, well, you have to pay that even if it's a hundred maneh, a hundred dinat, uh, exorbitant amount, you have to pay that. Or you can fly through the air if you want. The the guy in the middle can say to the traveler, right? If you want, take a take a helicopter, right? Jump over it and uh, figure out a way to get in there, which is being facetious. They didn't have helicopters, so he's just going to have to pay to get a new one, right? Too bad on him. All right, that's the Mishnah. Um, now, my Ta'amad Rabbanan. What's the reasoning for Rabbanan that say that he's have to pay for a new one? Shapir Ka'amad Rabbanan actually makes sense. After all, he did once have a field. So what? He doesn't know where it is. Okay, so have a shortest path. He shouldn't get nothing. So Rav says, no, it could be a case that Rabbanan is talking about for example, where this the uh, the traveler's got land was in the middle, and he there were four his land was locked in by four um uh, pieces of land owned by different people all are all surrounding him, and he does not remember his path through whose land did it go through? Mr. A, B, C, or D? So if he goes to A, he says, "Listen, I had a path here." A could say. Ah, it wasn't through my land. He goes to B. It wasn't through my land. And so he can't take anybody's particular land because he can't assume that the path that he once upon a time owned was in any particular guy. So that's why Rabbanan say. Um, but if, in fact, it was a case where there's only one person, uh, one piece of land cutting through, then he would, Rabbanan would agree with Admon that he could take the shortest path. Okay, so we're talking about a case in the Mishnah where it's four people that are surrounding it. But now we ask, that, that now your answer is too good. If so, what's the reasoning for Admon? If it's in fact four different people, then how could Admon say, pick the shortest path? Through whom? Through B? B could say, I never, I never gave, you never had any path through my field.
So why should he give him anything at all? Amarava, Barbaa de Atu Mikoach Arbaa, Barbaa de Atu Mikoachad Kula Amala Pelige, de Masse Madhile, Ki Pelige Behadate Mikoach Arbaa. Rava explains that if we're talking about four owners who themselves bought them from four previous owners, that means in the past, when he had a path, they were owned by four people. And now each of those four people sold it to four different people. Everyone would agree that he has to buy a new path, agree with Rabbanan. And if it's four people that bought it from one, also, everyone would agree that he has to buy a new path because even though once upon a time one person owned all of them, but now four people own own it, and so the traveler cannot take it from any one of them. So yeah, everyone would agree that he has to buy a new path. because they each one can say, "Get out of here! I didn't have a you didn't have a path in my land." But rather, Admon would disagree when there's currently one owner who bought it from four previous owners. So once upon a time, there were four different owners, and he had a path from one of them. I don't know, B, C, D, he doesn't know. But it doesn't matter because now one person bought all of them. So the traveler can say to the one owner, I had a path through your field. Right through one of your fields. You own all of them. So it doesn't matter which one it was, you have to give me the land. And so that's why Admon says, Admon Savad, Mikomakom, Gabach. Admon goes to him and says, I had a path through one of your properties. So give me a shortest path through whatever property is the shortest. Rabban Sabre, Ishatkat, Ashatkat. Vilam, Hadzana, Shetarad, Lamadaihu, Vilam, Asidla, Taoyed, Inabahadaihu. Rabbanan, however, argued that the landowner of the perimeters can say, Listen, if you want to be quiet and be quiet, I'll make a deal with you. I'll make a compromise and I'll charge you some money and you buy a new, a new field. I'll do you a favor. If you don't listen to my terms, then I'm going to go and return the documents to the previous owners. I'll go back on the sale, right? I'll, I'll send it back to the original owners and then you won't be able to negotiate with them because then it'll be owned by four different people. And then you'll have no claim and you'll have to fly in the air or pay an exorbitant price, right? So therefore, the the buyer, since it originally was four, he can say, um, listen, I have, I have, a, 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 I can make a counterclaim. I have leverage against you. And uh, since I could make life hard for you, make impossible for you, in fact, therefore, you should agree to my terms and you'll have to pay whatever amount that they can come uh, to an agreement about. Okay, Ahud Amar Lehu Dikla Librat. Now, uh, last case, a person says, I am giving a, um, a, a cedar tree, a palm tree, to my daughter. He leaves, he's leaving a palm tree to his daughter in his will. This is a similar case to the one before because as we're going to see, they're, they're splitting something that we know has to belong, has to go to someone. So the uh, orphans come and they split it and they don't give a daughter a tree. So now the daughter comes and says, Hey, you, okay, you owe me a tree. I'm owed a tree in my will. Yosef says, This seems to be the same as the Mishnah because each heir can say, oh, It's not my tree. Go ask my brother. Now, the ones say, go ask my other brother, right? And therefore, uh, she will get no tree. 
In the case of the Mishnah, each of the neighbors in the perimeter can say, you never had a path through my tree, go away. You never had, through my field, go away. You never had a path through my field, go away. They, none of them owe, no, owe the traveler um, who owns the land in the middle anything. But here, she is definitely owed a uh, um, a tree, and they, and as a collective, had owned the tree, right? And because they, she had a right to the tree, just at the same time that they had a right to their inheritance. So they took something. All of them took something that they weren't allowed to take. They took too much. So my what should they do? They have to redistribute everything, right? Uh, they have to give her a tree, and then, well, since the tree can't come from just one of them, right? Because then they would, that person would have, that brother would have less. So they have to give her a tree, and then they'll redivide the entire estate. So they divide it wrong. They got to do it again. A similar story: another person who left a um, a tree. To his daughter, Shecheb, and uh, he, after he died, they he left behind two halves of palm trees. In other words, he owned one palm tree with a partner, and there was another palm tree that also he had a fifty percent share in with a partner. And now he has, she's going to take these two halves of a tree. Is that fair? I mean, after all, you have to take care of trees. To take care of two half trees is a lot more work. You have to keep traveling, take care of two things, than taking care of one single tree. So she's coming to claim, I don't want two halves of a tree, I want one whole tree. Rav Asher asked the following question to figure out what to do. In common language, if someone has two halves of a tree, will they call it a palm tree or do they not call it that? And says the told the judge, yes, Rabimi from Agrona, and in fact, same, they said the name of Rava that people do call two halves of a palm tree a palm tree, and therefore they fulfilled the father's wishes and the will, and they don't have to go and you know find a find a whole tree for her. She uh, gets the two halves of the palm tree, and uh, yeah, she'll have to take care of two halves of a palm tree uh, instead of just one. Baruch Adonai Amen.